Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. And this is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of making things happen because you want it to. If you think really, really hard, or you might get a headache or, you know, but yeah, it could happen. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week we are talking about using psionic powers in a society. This is different than when we said, oh, okay, we're going to get like add psionic powers to your character, like, you know, making the character more tough or, uh, you know, with like attack, things like that. But basically, how do you integrate psionic powers into a society? Uh, and it could be an ancient society, a primitive or not so primitive or futuristic. We're going to cover all that sort of thing. So why don't uh, we'll let we'll let Trav give his definition of it? What what are psionic powers that we're talking about? Usually, when I refer to psionic or psychic powers, they are powers generated wholly by the brain, as opposed to magic, where you're manipulating an often extra-dimensional energy. Psionics, for me, it's how I describe it to my my various players. Psionics is an evolutionary trait. I mean, in real life, we have hunches, we've got premonitions and all that. And those could begin to be very rudimentary psychic powers. Magic is something you're manipulating outside energy to produce a similar effect to psionics. Because, you know, you see in like all the games, it's like magic, like uh, OGL. You have all the sorcerer wizard stuff, and then you look at the Scion list, and a lot of it is very similar, just different names and backgrounds. Yeah, psionics is wholly generated by the brain, by a sentient, well, even, well, I guess, well, there are psionic creatures, so a living brain, let's say. Okay, so this is how we differ, okay? And one is, is that I do not see psionics as necessarily an evolutionary process okay i mean granted you know through most of science fiction history when they talk about static powers they were talking about things that were either associated with a particular race and therefore you could say linked into their biology or they were something that became emergent in a population that as you might say might be the next step of evolution okay uh however there are plenty of examples where psionic powers were induced in people. Either they were literally granted by somebody else, okay, by, you know, who altered them intentionally. You could call that guided evolution if you wanted to, okay? Okay. Or um, as a result of some massive energy blast or something like that and the brain or the body itself altered okay how i see um you know psionics as far as emergent psionic powers happening is that we know that if and we have some some very 
specific and real examples. If somebody goes and, let's say, gets a big piece of iron, you know, uh, shoved through their brain, if they don't die, (laughs) yeah, ouch, sure. If they don't die, a lot of times other parts of the brain take over. Yeah, neural pathways reroute, yeah. They reroute other parts of the brain, basically reconfigure themselves to be able to handle it. Now, maybe this is redundancy, but they doesn't, there doesn't seem to be that much redundancy in the brain. I mean, you used to think that you had your right half and your left half, and therefore both halves were equal, but they find, no, there's a temporal region, there's the region in the back, which is more about handling optics and things like that. So... What we have here is but there are actually parts of the brain that are rewiring themselves when necessary to be able to take up functions, the ability to move, uh, sometimes other things. Uh, you know, but the point is is that getting losing a part of your brain doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to lose all the functions permanently in that area. So with that in mind, if for some reason a part of your brain was altered, you know, by whatever reason you want, biology, uh, by, uh, you know, guided evolution, by a blast or something like that, and that part of the brain changed in such a way that new function appeared, then the function that it used to do there could be taken up other places and the person could continue to operate in addition to the new. So it's basically a win-win. Okay. Doesn't mean there won't be like suffering. There won't be new, you know, there won't be a recovery period, you know, doesn't mean it'll be easy. All right. But it, but it is possible. And uh, I like that in a lot of ways, much better than the Marvel idea that at some point, you know, the evolution leaps forward, like like a, a, a single gene activates and somehow that transforms everything. You know, it, it, to me, that's, it's almost like you're saying, okay, you know, most of the genes we're talking about, that we would be talking about, like you start off with a single cell with a set of genes and through development uh, over nine months, you know, whole holy massive changes occur in in the fetus, turning it in finally into a human being, okay? Yeah. When you get into the, you know, but when they're like an adult or something like that, then suddenly you're going to say reversion of some kind and, you know, massive changes, which is one of the reasons why people like to say that psionic powers reside in the brain because we know less about the brain than any other part of the body. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So is 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 you know we much like God, you know, we tend to shove him into the areas of uh, uh, of uncertainty, you know, to say, well, he's here, you know, he's not there. It's hand, yeah. It's basically hand waving. Yeah. Yeah. So we do differ somewhat in that regard, you know. But the point is, is that you know, obviously, for the purposes of this discussion, we're saying that at some point, psionic powers manifest either they've always been there you know they're just a different race that might come into contact with humanity or uh we interbreed with them somehow and we gain those powers then uh or uh you know much like spock you know in star trek you know had the ability to do the vulcan mind meld even though basically he was you know his mother was human Okay, 
or well, uh, it, it could be some kind of massive, you know, massive thing that happens as a result of, of, of energy and stuff like that. So we, like I said, there's lots of science fiction stories where this sort of thing happens. And one of the ones that I, that is kind of the most interesting aspect of that is um, a set of books uh, by John Scalzi called Old Man's War. They're that series, okay? Because what they said was is that they take humans who are in their 80s, you know, therefore, you know, they, they, they've appeared the wisdom of their years and they're ready to die, but maybe not really ready, but they're living in bodies that they don't like anymore yeah. because they're weak, you know, or maybe they, they do have a terminal illness or something like that. And they say, okay, sign up for the, uh, uh, the Terran uh, army, you know, and we'll give you a brand new body. And that brand new body that they give them has so many advantages. And they even talk about how they give them like, you know, cat vision and you know, you know, the strength of a gorilla and all this other stuff like that. And they, and they take all this stuff and then they somehow fold it inside something that looks human. <laughs> and when you're in it, it feels human. And except the fact that your skin is bright green, like, um, from uh, the, the Wicked Witch of the West, bright oh. green. So, but otherwise, you look like you know, perfectly human, and in most cases, like you as a young younger person, you know, in your twenties, as you know, which is to me some really amazing, you know, super science. Yeah. Okay. And and in in that particular series, they have some races that have that kind of super science, and they usually are like. It's kind of like the Krelvins in the uh, uh, FTL. Yeah. In FTL, it's like, well, we'll give you this because we think it'll be a giggle. Because you can't figure out any of the reason why they would do it. Because, you know, it's kind of like they want to see what's going to happen when they do it. You know, it, it, they're like Q, you know, except that they're not ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, you know, they're, they are a race, but they're like, you know, there's super science and, and, and stuff like that. And the ability to do biological uh, wizardry. Wizardry is the only term I can make for it. Yeah, just incredible kinds of stuff. And, and so they did, they gave him this because this way, you know, the humans had a chance to fight against all the other races, some of which were like 10 times their size. And, you know, they, they had artificial blood and all kinds of other things. So anyways... So uh, those particular, but those particular people did not actually have uh, psychic powers, okay. Th but you might say that they had powers like psychic powers, like because all of a sudden they were so much stronger than they were before, and they were so much faster than they were before. And if you look at various lists of powers, you know, for like psychic, you know, psychics people, you know, psionic people, then you have things like speed enhancement. You have things like body durability or uh, the ability to go into a, uh, a state of, of not using any energy and being able to survive, you know, minutes, if not hours in space. You know, exposed okay, in space, yeah. and then they bring you in, and you come out of it. And other than maybe you have like a like a sunburn on your skin where it's desiccated, you're fine. Okay, so you could call those psychic powers, but I don't think we are going to say that because you know that's uh, that it doesn't have the flash 
that most people associate with psychic with psionic powers. I don't want to say. Yeah, psychic. I'm seeing your telepathy, your telekinesis, your clairsentience, maybe teleportation. Yeah, yeah, all those things that you do that can operate at a distance, obviously, are are, are those. But there are other ones that are still considered psychic powers that are, you know, uh, that may not operate at a distance. You know, there's nothing says that any of these have to operate at a distance. Like if you touch somebody and heal them, you know, that's that can that's still a psychic power. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It just doesn't happen at a distance. And Jesus of Nazareth actually had the ability to do it both ways. You know, some people, you know, one woman touches the hem of his garment and power it says power flows from him and she is healed. And he goes, Who touched me? Yeah. <laughs> Other cases, he heals them directly. And then a couple of cases, you know, some guy shows up and says, I want you to heal my daughter. She's on her deathbed. And he says, you know, does why should I why should I do this for you? And and he answers that he's a righteous man and uh, he's always, you know, followed basically doing the right thing as he understands it. He says, and I know that you can do it. I believe in you. And he says, well, your faith has made your daughter whole. He goes home. She's healed. Never touched her, never got near her, you know, just said it and it was so. And so there's various ways this can manifest as far as distance is concerned. You know, the, the weird things are where you say, where something, you go and say, I'm using a psychic power, and then it happens in the past. It actually manifests in the past. That's where it gets freaky and weird. Because <laughs> okay. now you've broken the you've broken any sense of causality, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, but we have a, there are literary examples of that as well, which you know, which then goes and brings up: Can you time travel psychically? Yeah, you know, and we there's you know, and we have stories of that. As a matter of fact, uh, the uh, the whole story of of, of uh, John Carter of Mars. Yeah, you know, it's uh, supposedly happening in the past. You know, when Mars was not dried out like it is. So he dissociates his mind from his body and goes into uh, another version of himself on Mars, but he also does it in the past, or he does it in an alternate universe. Because when he gets there, it's much different. What was it? Um, the one with Christopher Reeve, where somewhere in time. Somewhere in time. Yeah, yes, he, he literally wills himself into the past. Yeah, so time that's psychic time travel. You know, yeah, and he, yeah. he's physically there until he sees something that basically breaks the gestalt of him being in the past and he leans back in the in the present again. Yeah, he basically pulls a modern day penny out of his pocket and just there he is, and he's like, No. Yeah, it has a date on it that says nineteen sixty-five and no, and suddenly everything's you know, the door opens and people are dressed in modern gear and he's He's like, I just, you know, everything he had built was gone. Yeah. So anyways, and the end of the story comes, which is sad. All right. So like I said, there's lots and lots of, of powers and stuff, but we're not here to talk about the personal powers that you might have. We're talking about how can, how are in the future, are they integrating psychic or psionic powers into a society? Okay. Especially into technology. Okay. So um, so I basically gave, you know, a list of three attributes that would probably have, have to be, uh, they'd have to be able to determine these things in order to effectively do that. What were those, uh, Trev? 
Well, the first one we have is precision. And um, as far as targeting a particular target of said power being used on them? Yeah, I mean, how... Yeah, that is exactly. It's, it's how... Um, uh, how you know, it, it, precision is both accuracy and reliability. So in other words, how, you know, effectively can, can you do it as many times as you need to? Oh, okay. Yeah. And how, you know, and, and when you apply your power, is it something that can be applied all the way down to the atomic level? Or is it something that can only affect something that's like the size of an egg? I mean, your powers may vary like that, and and there's lots of times where that'd be fine. You know, other times, you know, you might you might want something, might need something with a lot more uh, microscopic precision. Let's say, oh, kind of like the Trinity game in the Trinity universe. They have a, a particular discipline of telekinesis called biokinesis, where you're, it's basically healing. You're healing damage, you're removing disease and radiation damage and all that. Yeah, you're affecting humans and living creatures on an atomic and subatomic level. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, and all the way up to, I can only, I affect things the size of cars or even bigger, the size of mountains. Okay. So, if you know, you, you have to be able to determine where, where's the, the line? Where, you know, where do you stop being able to manipulate it? You know, it's kind of like in D&D with the uh, mage hand, which, you know, allows you to pick up objects, but you can't play, use it to play a piano, even though it kind of makes a ghostly hand. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't yeah. have that level of precision, but it can pick objects up. You know, basically, say it's like a piece of paper. You can fold it around the object to do stuff with it, but you can't, you know, like knead bread with it or you know other things like that. Yeah, you're not making that paper into, uh, into um, not macrame, origami. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, you, you can't take the, you can't use the mage hand to do that to do that to, to, to anything like so that. So it's it's more gross motor skills, not so much fine motor skills. Right, know? and maybe you know, and, and so. You know, is it like that, or is it as you said? Is it you know? Can you manipulate all the way down? Because in uh, Heinlein's uh, Magic Waldo, Waldo and Magic Inc., I think it was, uh, this guy had the ability to a telekinetic ability to move very small objects, but then he discovered that he could take like a needle and throw it at somebody at like 150, 200 miles an hour, and it was now a weapon and could just yeah. penetrate like into their heart and kill them. He didn't think he could do, he thought this was a completely worth, this was a parlor trick. I look, I can, I can, I can make, I can make the, the little dolls dance with each other kind of thing, you know, or I could push a button on, flick a button on the wall where I could just as easily get off my fat butt and walk over and flick the switch myself. But you know, it, it was a party trick. Until he found out it could do so much more, he just had never really, you know, saw, you know, realized the possibilities. What we would call in a superhero game, power stunts. Yeah, yeah. But you know, the, so knowing what your precision level is it can be super, super important as far as how you, how it would be used in a society. Okay. So what's the second attribute? Power or force, that would be the example he just gave of, yeah, I'm making dolls dance, or I can make this sewing needle move at you at 200 miles an hour. Yeah. Or I can lift that mountain. Yeah. Or I yeah. can part the Red Sea. Okay. So, you know, those are 
you know, that you don't need a whole lot of precision to do that, but you know, you definitely need a lot of power. Yeah, we need, we go from scalpel to hammer mode. Yeah, right. So okay, and so it's basically how much you know how much force can you can you generate, you know, uh, to the to the task at hand, and and sometimes you know if you have like a you know, if you can't do much, but there's 150 of you that can do that and, can, and you can add the effect together, then that's good, you know. Uh, people get nervous when people have the ability to move mountains. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a future where you have giant earth movers, you know, then maybe that's not such a big deal. Um I can give a good recent example. If all of you out there have seen the recent Disney Plus series Ahsoka, there is a scene with um, Ahsoka and Ezra where they have to lift the rear end of Ahsoka's ship after the um, engines got damaged. So they both jump down, and of course it's a forced leap, so off the top of a hovering spaceship, it's still like you know, 50, 60 feet, and of course they survive. And each of them are using the force, and they got their hands up trying to keep the ass end of the ship up to so it doesn't fall on on people that are around. So yeah, two of them together can do it. It's still a strain, but they can do it. So because one of the Jedi's, yeah, couldn't have, and they couldn't have done it by themselves. So she called the other one down and they each had like a side. They were underneath and on either side of the central engines and just barely keeping this thing up. So yeah, two of them combined could well barely do it. So right. They don't really seem to know how much they can do. So you know, in, in, as far as integrating force, that force power, you know, that would be the first thing that you'd have to find out. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to plan any way of effectively using it. It would again be something that would be useful to an individual, but not to a society. All right, and then there's the last one, which is endurance. How long can you do a power? How long can you sustain a power? Again, the previous example with Ahsoka, they're there trying to keep the, the rear end of this ship up, and you're seeing it starting to buckle down a little because after a while, just their stamina and their capacity for their power is starting to waver a little. So yeah, duration would probably be a better term. In like game terms, you'll see like, oh, one minute per character level or whatever. And just as you gain experience, your endurance to upkeep this power gradually increases because you are increasing in level and experience and and power levels and whatnot. Yeah. Or like endurance, I think, yeah, pretty much it's the duration of a power. Right. How long can you keep it going, you know, at a, you know, in a controlled fashion? Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, in a, a, a TV series about superpowers um, uh, called My Hero Academia, uh, uh, yes, they they were you know they were having problems because they were in situations where they had to fight villains and the villains were getting to drop on them and you know and and so the the head hero that they were training under says well the reason is because you're stopping to activate your power okay and then until it activates you can't use it and you're vulnerable what you need to do is always have your power a little bit on. So that all you really are doing is ramping up the uh, the power level, you know, your endurance is constant would have to be, you know, and you know, and 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 if you have like you know, if you're saying that your toughness, your physical toughness, uh, is a result of a of a psionic power, 
then that's kind of like what you're always doing. You all, the power is always on, just like you know you're you're constantly breathing even when you're asleep. So it becomes an autonomic function. In a way. Exactly. If you're you know, if you're using it, you know, under certain your power under certain, especially if it's protective. Okay, under, uh, then or if you know. As I said, if you're using a power to do something that needs to be done constantly, you can have a uh, a handoff to somebody else. Okay, sure, but you know, uh, during that handoff, you know, it, there's got to be a point in which both of them, one of them is operating. You know, because you can't like stop and then the other one start because then if you have a process in, in place, it may just you know, it may fall apart or worse. So, you know, having the ability to maintain a certain powers at a constant rate, you know, is good. Like a extrasensory perception or a clairvoyance or clairaudience where it would act like super hearing or telescopic vision. Yeah, you, where you can, sw it's always on at a base level and okay, I need to enhance this sense to be able to see, you know, my target 500 feet away and make a call shot type thing. Yeah. Well, telepathy is a really good example of this because if the other person doesn't have telepathy, okay, then how do you know that they're trying to communicate with you? You always have to have some level of, of hearing, uh, psychic hearing going on, you know, yeah. so that when they wish to reach you, you instantly know that. And you can, again, you can beef it up, pay attention to what they're, they're saying to you. You know, but there has to be some level of detection going on, you know, that you are maintaining, preferably even when you're asleep. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, though, the trope with telepaths usually is that they have to, they have to keep their walls up, as it were, or otherwise they're constantly getting the voices of every single person around them. That's usually the trope that you have with telepathy, and we've seen it in... Well, you you can you can still do that, but you know, you, by using the filter where you are only listening to one person, you know, but you still are always listening. In that trope, they're saying they're always there is it is always on. You know, telepaths never turn it off. They're trying they're trying to you know dumb it down or yeah. block it off. So they're you know their 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 power once it activates is is more of a let's okay I have a secondary power which basically lets me ignore you <laughs> so I don't have yeah. to constantly listen to a thousand voices when I only want to hear one again that would fall under the first thing we mentioned precision yeah. right well that's the precision right but the endurance is is the being able to do it 24/7 yeah not everything requires that kind of endurance, but I'm saying there are certain things that probably do require that kind of endurance. So anyways, though, you know, those are the three attributes I thought would be really important to understand and really have nailed down in, in somebody's ability to have this kind of a power before they could even be useful, you know, to a society as part of the, um, you know, the ongoing part of society you know the the especially in, in being integrated into technology because the whole point of technology is a lot of times is to provide that kind of you know mindless endurance you know you don't you know, no, nobody has to convince a pump to keep pumping you know it just keeps pumping as long as you keep giving it uh, electricity so the the water keeps flowing into your house and and the uh, electricity keeps you know lighting your lights you know and 
at your end, you may turn it on and off, but at the generator side, you know, technology, you know, useful technology is one where, you know, it's especially true where you can rely on it to be, you know, fall within certain ranges and and be reliable on a, you know, ongoing basis. So in many ways, what we're talking about here as the psychic powers, we're talking about psychic technology because it shares those same durable aspects that other technologies have. And, and I, I think that's really important before we can even start talking about how we could add this kind of stuff in to a society. Because, uh, you know, we... You know, because we already, you know, uh, I mean, if you look at all the powers that we have in the sense of our our senses, all right, you know, we already have superpowers that we use, you know, in, um, uh, you know, in societies. We use it to, you know, to, you know, to direct traffic. We use it to uh, respond uh, when somebody needs something. Uh, we use it to gather information and to pass it on to other people, you know. So, you know, if you were in a world where there was no, nobody had sight, then anybody who had sight would be considered to be uh, someone with a superpower. Yeah. So, uh, and, and there are stories like that. <laughs> One called Dark Universe, where um, everybody, you know, had lived in a cave in the darkness so long, every, everyone had forgotten what sight was. And uh, they, they had super good hearing, so they literally heard echoes off the walls and things like that. And they were they did er, er, all their activity by echolocation and, of course, yeah. by touching things and, and manipulating them. So when, er, when somebody showed up with a, with a flashlight and shone it around, it, the, the people who saw it interpreted it as a really loud noise because they could hear so much detail you know, they could, in other words, they could see so much detail, they, you know, they could perceive it, that it had to be like really loud noise so they could hear all the nuances that are just bouncing off the walls all over the place, even though it didn't seem like it was coming from all over the place. So that, that, that was an interesting story from that regard. So when we say adding, you know, psychic or psionic powers into a society, especially on the technological level, we have to define, you know, what kinds of societies they are, they are okay so one of the types was dystopic all right uh, where basically people who have powers are being forced to do things that could be done but with technology but the powers would be decided it would be easier to force these these people with these powers to do it instead ah okay i've got an example all right just realized the perfect example for that. The X-Men comics, the island nation of Genosha. Well, I don't know how it is now, but when I was introduced to it in the early 90s, when I stopped uh, listening to comics, no. Let's try that again. Re you know, when I stopped collecting comics, there was this island, I think, in the Indian Ocean or South Atlantic Ocean where the humans were converting mutants to be mindless slaves, and they did all the grunt work on the island. Yeah, the island was a paradise. It's because they were enslaving mutants and often using, like, technological collars or whatnot to keep them from uh, rebelling. But they did everything from garbage pickup to tracking for the police. Um, heck, you could have had, you know, them controlling the weather. Have, like, a mind-controlled version of Storm that, oh, it's always sunny and we only need the rain here on this side of the island to grow stuff. 
the rest of the island is nice and sunny and 80 degrees. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing, the perfect example of a dystopic society with empowered peoples. They become the disadvantaged group and kept under control, and they're basically slaves. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, and, you know, one of the examples I thought of was, like, for example, someone who who receives and sends messages, okay, to another psychic. You know, uh, the... You know, it, it's a form of communication that is usually pretty uh, resistant to being eavesdropped on versus like a, a radio set. You, you, know, you send it out or if they have the if they can get the right frequency, they can, you know, depending upon their yeah. tech level, you know, yeah. they can hear your, your, your message. Okay. And then you can use codes to try to avoid that. Or of course, now we just encode them as data and they get decoded on the other end. All right. But, uh, if you know, depending upon what level of tech they have, this might seem like a big advantage. Okay, and of course, you you know, these these people are are basically being dragooned into you know being these uh, you know these these living radios. Okay, uh, and the and the or uh, the company. I'm sorry, the the government itself, as you said, they're they're using. Uh, mutants, you know, uh, and forcing them to do this stuff. But why are they using them instead of using technology? I do believe that the government was, um, well, racist in the sense that they were anti-mutants. So the ones that were there, they said, okay, you're going to stay here. You're working for us. And it was a, it was a definite anti-mutant. It's the, it's the X-Men. That was their main thing, you know, that X-Men comic. And yeah, I think it was a human government using Mutants, and of course, if you found out you're born a mutant, then, you know, the government takes the kid and, okay, it's, yeah, your kid is now working for the government. Yeah, go about your lives, citizen. Yeah, you never see the kid again. Or if you do, you find him bald in this bodysuit using telekinesis to sweep the streets, you know. Yeah. All right, well, the, you know, uh, what I was going for is the fact that, the, one of the big advantages of slaves, you know, or servants over, let's say, a robot that does the same job, okay, or a, a machine that does the same job, is that because a, a, a robot is is defined as a machine that does the work of a man, uh, is the fact is that you know you have to main you have to maintain machines. Somebody who is a you know a human has to go and work on machines and keep them going and, you know, yeah. keep them operating, you know, and, and, and maybe you have to, you know, get oil to them and, and power to them and, and all kinds of things like that. Humans, on the other hand, they, they heal themselves. They get injured. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to repair them other than, you know, bandage them up mostly. Okay. They heal up, they get better. They go back to work. Okay. They feed themselves. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to make special efforts to provide for them outside of your general population, okay? They replace themselves, okay? You don't have to have a big factory that makes machines, okay? They make themselves the old-fashioned way. You know, they just, you know, they just, assuming... A little bit of, of, yeah, a little bit of Vino, a little bit of Barry White in the background, you're good to go. You have to work for it. If if powers follow family lines, then you know that the Smith family is going to produce a whole lot of people that can, you know, as you say, they, they... 
They, they have the ability to clean floors perfectly. You yeah. know, they can just, you know. Uh, so a lot of times, you know, you know, the whole question is why why have these people do these things when uh, when you can make a machine that can do the same job, all right, you know. And the answer is one of two things. It's usually because, you know, it's easier to for that for a person to do it in the sense that it you know it it has less uh infrastructure in, involved or, uh, and 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 required okay or you do it because you are intentionally you're intentionally forcing your will upon that person by making them do that which i think is what's going on in your your island genosa yeah, it's basically if it, I think there's like mutant detection, you know, all kids got to be, you know, checked. And if you're mute, yep, you're gone. Yep. Say goodbye to your children. You're never going to see them. They're now a ward of the state. And usually then they are mind wiped or somehow controlled to not rebel and just follow orders. Yeah. And again, it's just massive anti-mutant hysteria. Yeah, right? it's 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 a form of prejudice. Yeah. Okay, so they're they're basically treating you like subhumans because they don't like you. Okay, and so they have you do jobs that could be done by insensate machines. They wouldn't care whether or not you ask them to do boring jobs or not, or dangerous jobs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They 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 don't care. They have no you know if they get damaged, then someone has to repair them. You know, uh, it's being you know they. It's being done intentionally as an act of punishment for being the wrong kind of person. Even you know, even though you're useful, you know they're going to. Basically, it's like, well, you know, in uh, because we have we have given you the gift of life, you owe us your labor until you die. So you know, and and so therefore, you know, you're going to use your special powers, which are basically prove that you're not human. <laughs> to do these things. So, yeah. And that's very dystopic, okay? which is why I kind of put it under the dystopic category. You know, um, you know, treating uh, people with special powers as, you know, in a bad way, you know, is, is very dystopic. And it's one of the reasons why uh, the uh, uh, minority report is a dystopic yeah. future. Because they they make it seem like it's a positive future where they figured out a way of stopping all all violent crime, all really all big crime, you know that the 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 three psychics you know get together and they warn people that 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 there's people about to commit crimes. They go over there, they arrest them, they stop them from doing it, and crime just basically drops off the you know just to nothing. So nothing entirely, okay. Until you find out that these psychics are basically uh, drugged out of their minds, uh, they're they're in pain, they're suffering, uh, and because they are psychic, they un they know what's happening to them, and they saw it coming and couldn't escape it. <laughs> so, and there's and there's a really big question in it that maybe they uh, one of the reasons that this guy got kind of screwed over by them was because they were hoping that he would also, by by solving this mystery and saving his own life, he would save them. Yeah. Because at the end of the story, spoilers, they, they, they get the freedom 
that they want. Unfortunately, the world goes back to being the dangerous place it was before because the, the very useful function that they, they that they were performing is no longer being done. What was it? The office, or the Bureau of Pre-Crime, yeah, is what yeah. they call it. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-Crime, yeah. So, you know, here's a case where, you know, three people were made to, to suffer, the you know, uh, so that everybody else can have a can uh, can live in um, utopia. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's the that and you know a few suffer so many survive, and it's like that, that's that's a that's a dystopic philosophy. Yeah, yeah. Not I was gonna say Machiavellian, but no, that's not what I'm looking for. Well, the guy that came up with that idea was Machiavellian. Mm. The guy who came up with the plan. <laughs> Because not everybody would have said, "Hey, let's take these three people and make them the 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 optimum pri uh, crime stoppers." Yeah, yeah. You could try getting that through Congress. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. So you know, and uh, all right. So, but now another uh, type of society, you know, it, it, it doesn't follow along with the idea of dystopic or non-dystopic, but where is what I have I list is ever present. Okay, as in everybody has powers. Everybody has special stuff they can do. Maybe they have multiple powers, okay? And so the entire society is 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 all these people living together, you know, hopefully working together, otherwise you don't have a society. Yeah. And we're, you know, and so that, you know, uh, and a lot of times when that happens, then the machines we were talking about are never created to replace them because there's so many people who have the powers to do these things. We don't need big earth movers when we got people that can basically just tear down the side of a mountain. We don't need any type of communication because we have telepaths. We can just, whatever we want to say, we just send it to who we want. And yeah. Yeah. Now they they would never envision something like the internet with with you know trillions and no. trillions of of of, of uh, bits and bytes flying through the air you know through the air you know th because their people wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, they would just if, if transmit information. Just yeah, okay. It's you have a powerful enough telepath. Just okay. This entire part of this country. Yeah, send them this. Yeah. And again, that would fall under precision and force those two attributes because you know in order to get to you know uh you know to get to the internet we had to have the telephone yep and if people already have the ability to talk to each other over the phone i mean oh, oh, to talk to each other without needing a phone how's the phone ever going to get developed how is this piece yep. of technology ever going to appear now maybe if it, an alien you know race showed up one day with non psychic technology they'd be like oh really we can do this and 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 they're you know and they might look and say well you know we can't we can't do that with the powers that we have so we'll add that you know we'll add your uniqueness to our own you know and uh you know borg it up but yeah um, yeah as soon as you said add uniqueness first thing i'm i thought was i did that intentionally of course okay see yeah. what you did there. so uh but I, i'm just saying is that you know it, there's a lot of stuff that that would never happen if they had the ability to do a lot of these things. You know, if 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 one person could basically sit on a a a, a, a train car, okay, and with the power of his mind pull 10, 20 train cars behind him, 
Okay, and maybe every 10 cars you get somebody else so you can basically carry coal and stuff like that and just run it along tracks and things like that. Well, then, you know, you don't need a steam engine, you know, and that person has a job. You know, is it mind-numbing? Well, maybe, but he's got a nice view. You know, the guys yeah. that sit there and tend the tend the fireboxes and the and, and the engines, they're, you know, they, they have, you know, they they're highly trained in a very small area, but it's not like... They had to train for 20 years to get there. It was probably something that took like maybe a year's worth of training to to get all the nuances. Yeah, yeah. A lot of technology does, would not get developed simply because... There wouldn't be a need for it. Wouldn't be a need for it, you know, and unless somebody just was a genius and said, look, you know, you know I, I go and I heat this bottle up and it pushes you know steam out the end and we, and it actually can blow a cork out well maybe i could do that and 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 cause it to do something you end up with toys yeah, yeah. you don't end up with a, you don't end up with a technological base for your country you end up with toys <laughs> so uh the guy that um invented the little thing that's inside of a light bulb and it's like black on one side white on the other so that whenever you shine light on it it spins Okay, that's a toy, and it and it does show scientific principles of expansion and and force, uh, you know, of light and things like that. But I don't, you know, I'm not sure whether you could have gone from, you know, I'm not sure. I don't think that was how you got to dynamos. I don't think that's how you got to, you know, a lot of things. <laughs> uh, it was a toy, but. Theoretically, you know, you could say that that's an early version of a solar cell sail that, you know, once you got into space might actually be a way of traveling between solar systems in reasonable amounts of time. Because if, you know, if you have, let's say you're in a binary system and the suns are pretty far apart, but they're not like light years apart. Uh, the sun is shining and therefore with a solar cell you're constantly receiving radiation and you get up to a high speed and and then you know going to some planet that's that's attached to the other sun and then you just flip the thing around and now you know uh the other sun is going to slow you down because uh the uh because it's now shining on on let's say the the uh, the darker part of it in and the and the other side is like mirror finished so that light bounces off yes so therefore now it's it's decelerating and you get to the other thing and it's an effective form of space travel that doesn't require fusion let's say yeah yeah so the uh, and and they have some way of doing that you know they 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 figured out how or maybe there's somebody who has the ability to make super super small objects. And they were able to make a solar cell with bucky tubes and things like that. They have that ability. And, uh, you know, one person or a whole cadre of people, you know, would be able, you know, uh, a warehouse, you know, full of people would be able to make these solar cells with the powers of their minds. You know, uh, something, you know, so they weigh nothing. And therefore, you know, that pressure from the sun is actually a, a, a good motive power. So that would be a way, for example, of incorporating the psychic powers that we're talking about into uh, a, a society as a, as a means of creating a piece of the motive force for space travel, as an example. Or kind of, again, I can bring up the Trinity 
game, the Trinity Universe and the the Far Future version, there were like six or seven different uh, disciplines, and one of them was clairsentience, and they used it for uh, astronavigation. They can use the clairsentience to see their destination. Just say, yeah, it's in that direction about 50 light years. Let's go. Or like the navigators in Dune, and, and I've seen the recent one, the one with uh, you know Jason Momoa and Oscar Isaac. I'm talking the one in 84 where they had the big bulbous beings in the tanks that were mutated by spice. The Lich version. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, they were the navigators. They were horribly mutated, but they could sense across interstellar distances to traverse, help the ships traverse the galaxy. Yeah. So that's using psychic powers to integrate in society. Yeah, we got these guys with clairsentience, and they're the ones that help us navigate through space. And they also have the teleporters in Trinity. So the teleporters work in conjunction with the um, astronavigators, and that's how they just move these big ships around throughout the Trinity universe and go to the various races, the kin, and I'm forgetting the other races, the books over there. But yeah, that's how they do space travel. The, te- the people with the psionic teleport powers and the people with the psionic clairsentience powers work together to help move and maneuver the ships. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I, I abused uh, that notion uh, in one uh, adventure I did for uh, Fringeworthy, uh, okay. where they basically came out into a world that, that was actually a world ship. It was a giant structure. Oh, yeah, Yep. It was two. It was uh, you know, it was like a million miles long. It was two hundred fifty thousand miles wide, <laughs> okay, and uh, or in in diameter radius, I forget, you know, and uh, and so therefore it was really really huge. So moving it would would be tough, okay, uh, creating motive power to move it, uh, and. Uh, and if and even if you did, as you if you wanted, since we we weren't doing like faster than light travel in the sense of like you know getting up past sea, so yeah. uh, and if and if you if you don't do that, then the closer you get to the speed of light, the more massive it becomes. So it becomes impossible. So how does this happen? Well, as it turned out, is is that they uh, they they formed this kind of mind mill with a bunch of of people with psychic powers that allowed them to basically operate the ship. And one of the powers they had was teleport. And so the person who had teleport had the ability to take an object of any size, okay, which was the world ship, and then to teleport it ahead in an instant, okay? And then there was somebody else who provided that, uh, that endurance we were talking about. So they yeah. could then do it again and again and again as quickly as you know possible, but you know, so the point in, in a way it was much like warp drive where yeah. you essentially were teleporting and you weren't actually you were moving in relation to other objects, but you yourselves weren't using any any kind of force to move. You were just re you were trans translating to a new location. And you did it enough times that you were effectively traveling faster than the speed of light. This whole thing with teleporting and moving, I'm seeing two two different things. Bear with me here. There are different things. One, uh, I have campaigns where I've said, well, yeah, just superpowers are just rearranging and powered stunts of the three major psychic powers. 
telepathy teleportation telekinesis. I said, how is super speed telekinesis, or how is super speed linked to teleporting? I said, you're just teleporting so fast it looks like you rushed. You're doing micro teleports so fast it looks like you're moving faster than a normal human. Or flying, or, or whatever. That too, yeah. Well, flying, I would use just telekinesis, like how Sue Storm does with her uh, force fields. Um, now, the other thing, talking about creatures that can teleport ships, you are familiar with the old Palladium game, the Mechanoid Invasion, and the, the trilogy that Sambita put out? How could I not? I, I, after oh. all these years, my friend. Okay. <laughs> you had, in the third uh, book of said trilogy, Homeworld, the Phi Warpers. Originally, they were like kind of dolphin-like with a little bit of humanoid action going. The mechanoids subjugated them, horribly mutated them, and basically used them for moving their North America-sized motherships. And what they did is they put them in this body armor that sort of kept them sedated and just duh. And when they would mine a planet for its core and turn into a power crystal, they would use the power from that power crystal to basically link. You'd have like 10,000 of these five warpers and they would teleport in unison and just move because of the ship. I think, oh God, the stats. I think it only moved like otherwise, you know, what would be quote unquote impulse power only like 40 kilometers per hour. And that's pretty slow. I, I want to say it's like 26 miles an hour. So you're moving through a system extreme. Well, of course, North American size ships. It's not built for speed. But these phi warpers, due to the power of the crystal that powered the ship, which was formerly a planetary core, boosted their powers enough where 100 of them could move this North America-sized capital, super capital ship. So in that way, it'd be a mixture of ever-present and dystopic but that them moving that ship would be that way and the mechanoids just subjugated that race to do it because they had this phenomenal teleport and in a way um clear sending ability because they could sense where they were teleporting and then just go there and the mechanoids just well evilly capitalized on it so to speak but yeah when you were mentioning about teleporting through space those are the two things that remind me of is how i described teleportation as super speed and then that game so and it it it's it covers both of them the ever present because their society well before the mechanoids got to it was yeah we can just go anywhere space exploration whatever but we're peaceful beings then the dystopic where the mechanoids because they hate all organic life said oh we can use them yeah so just a couple examples that came to mind as you were mentioning that just yeah all right okay all right well, let's let's get back to the like I said the different kinds of societies. So, like we were talking about the ever present, the ones where everyone has powers, and machines were never developed to replace them because you know there didn't seem to be any need to. There was always somebody to do the job. Okay, so you know uh, there and there would be like social and legal constraints, you know, to allow society to operate. You know, privacy, safety. Um, you know, so that abuses did not occur. You want to say something? Got something else about this. And this is out of the old GURPS psionics book. Okay. They talked about trials, legal trials, and you would just have three people when, and the, 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 the uh, defendant, one telepath was the judge. The other was the prosecution. The other was the defendant. 
all three of them or both the the prosecutor and the defending telepaths would read the mind of the defendant or the witness or whatever and then transmit that information to the judge that was the 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 example in and this book came out like 20 30 years ago this is like first or second edition GURPS. but i remember that as how they described using putting psionics in a society and that's the one thing that stuck in my head was well it'd be efficient but then you'd have to worry about the state of the mind well, of course, I mean, you could sit there and, you know, oh, he forgot. Well, no, it's recessed. We've got that memory. Bring it out. Yeah. I have to disagree with them. You still need an ad. You need another telepath who's an advocate for the defendant. Because as we yeah, know. They didn't, they didn't mention that. Yeah, yet. well, you need it because. Uh, well, that would be the def that would be the defending attorney then. Well, you said that there were three things. There was the defendant. There was the uh, uh, the prosecution. And there was the judge. Yeah, I meant the defending and prosecuting attorneys are both telepaths as well as the judge. Okay, I'm sorry. And, and right. that, yeah, yeah, okay, I may have misrepresented what I yeah. said there. Yeah, okay, because, because, you know, as we know, all right, nobody except lawyers understand the legal system, and they understand it well enough to try to, to, try to punch holes in it and, and wiggle through and do stuff, okay? So, you know, uh, your average person, you know, is, is, has no hope. Of, of successfully navigating any kind of situation. You know? Yeah, you would have your your defending telepathic attorney giving the information to you know the judge and the prosecution, then they go from there. Yeah, and and uh, and John Steinbeck, you know, did a story. I think it was John uh, uh, about. John, wait a minute, John Steinbeck, Grapes of Wrath, not Grapes of Wrath. But this was an, uh, this was another story. I, I I could have the author wrong, but anyways, okay. it was all about this guy who comes into town and he has a uh, 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 he has a corral full of wild horses, and all the guys in the town show up and they look at these beautiful stallions and they're like they want them, they're lusting after them. Okay, and the guy goes and. Uh, sells these things to, you know to the various people and one of the people he sells it to is this you know you know kind of not too bright but not overly stupid you know guy and what happens is is that uh after the the sale happens uh he goes uh, the the guy who sells it to him takes his money and says okay it's that one over there go 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 get it and the guy tries to get it and the the horse basically runs free of the corral, goes out and to a neighboring farm and causes all kinds of damage. And they, you know, and, and, and the guy brings charges against him to, you know, for this, you know, for the damages that his horse did. And yeah. they go to the judge, you know, who shows up, the circuit judge, and everybody shows up to, you know, about this. And, um, and the guy's sitting there you know, and, and says, okay, judge, just tell me what I got to pay, you know, and, and you know, because you know, it's my fault. And the judge is like, well, let's, see, let's hear the evidence first, you know. And everyone's like, why do you have to hear the evidence? So the guy goes and explains what happened. And the judge starts saying things like, okay, so this guy, you know, and all the time this is going on, the guy who's, who, who, who bought the horse is like, just tell me what I got to pay. So that we can go on with our lives, okay? And the and the judge says, okay. Did when the guy sold him the horse, did he give you a bill of sale? No. Uh -huh. Okay. Did he uh did he like put a um, 
uh, a noose around the horse's neck and hand you the other end of it. No. Um, uh, and he finally basically comes down and he says, I'm sorry, but you never bought that horse. You did you nothing that you didn't do anything that basically established your claim over him other than you gave money to this guy. Yeah. You know, saying that I want to buy a horse, but you never established that that was the horse. <laughs> yeah. And so as a result, the horse just ran broke and ran free and caused damage and it's nobody's fault. And everyone's like, oh, okay. "Are you kidding me?" It is <laughs> This Yeah. So even back then, okay, this kinds of legal, you know, rank, you know, they had rules for how you establish the transfer of ownership of something as livestock. Yeah. And if you didn't follow them exactly, then not only, you know, someone could steal your horse and 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 you couldn't you couldn't do anything about it, or your horse could do damage to somebody and they couldn't do anything about it because it wasn't your horse. Even though everybody in the entire room, except a judge, was completely sure that it was his horse. But the law said differently. So anyways. Yeah. So, yeah, having a whole bunch of psychics. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it's a good way of getting at the truth and the intent of the person. Uh, though it might be hard, you know, if, if anything having to do with the emotional state uh, how well you, you could read someone's mind, but it doesn't mean you can necessarily accurately capture what was their emotional state at the time in which they did whatever it is that they did. So it still might be not a hundred percent that you might what you might want. Well, I mean, if you want to do that, then you could just have them trigger memories and have an empath record, you know, cover the state. It's like, oh, at that time he was feeling this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, yeah. It, Depending upon what you have available to you, you have lots of options, okay? Yeah. But if you have just one thing, if you have an empath but not a telepath, then all you can say is the person feels really, really this person doesn't feel one way or the other. All the sociopaths walk free. Okay? Yeah. You know, this person feels really, really bad, okay, ab about what happened, and the person has basically been tricked into feeling guilty for something that yeah. wasn't really their responsibility. So now they're guilty, okay? Now, or, ultimately, if you had somebody with both telepathy and empathic senses, you can get both memory and emotional states currently and at the time that they committed the act or didn't commit the act. Right. Yeah. Well, we always want the ideal. But the oh, one yeah. thing we've learned when it comes to technology societies is that very rarely do they actually match up. Yeah. Sooner or later, you got to have someone who basically has to make a judgment call. Yeah. So, you know, that job... That job will never be replaced by a machine, unless, of course, the machines get smarter than than us. Yeah, and then, then, then we get into the whole thing with AI and all that. Yeah, right, just, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks, everybody, for listening to us. Uh, we hope we've given you some thoughts about how to integrate psychic powers with your society, whether it might be a low-tech, high-tech, uh, uh, or something crazy like Bureau 13 that seems to have all kinds of, of stuff. Oh, oh, and the one thing we didn't mention was, you know, if you're in a world, you know, if if you're in an interdimensional game, you know, some worlds they don't they have anti-tech, you know, they don't they don't allow technology, but they allow magic or psionics. You know, in another world they may not let tech, but they may allow uh, uh, psionics, but not magic, and so forth. It's one more form of power that you get to choose from when the other ones don't work. And so that's that's can also make your games a lot more interesting in that regard. Anyways, thanks for listening to us. 
Uh, we hope you use this. If you do, uh, you come up with some interesting ways of applying it, please let us know. Um, uh, leave a message on uh, fans of the uh, uh, Gaming on the Frontier on Facebook or send us messages in the many ways that are available. And we will have more for you next week, but you'll have to wait until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.